We'll be reading Matthew 12, verses 46 through 50, as we explore the idea of doing the will of God. Matthew chapter 12, beginning at verse 46. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside, asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes, that we would see wonderful things in it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody wants to know what's going to happen in the future. And most of us are sane enough to admit that we don't know. That we are not all-knowing. But even so, people have some really weird ways of trying to figure it out. Some people are naturally superstitious. Thinking that they need to keep doing certain things so that other things would happen. Kind of like a professional baseball player that's trying to keep a hidden hitting streak alive or a, uh, a pro hockey player that hasn't shaved in six months because it might mess up their, their groove, you know. Uh, other people are naturally demanding. They think that they can get what they want anytime they want it. They think they can make what they want happen. Kind of like a Charlie Sheen lost in his own imaginary world. Some people are naturally fearful. They, they are unsure about what to do or where to look for answers, kind of like Alice in Wonderland, going no place in particular. But then there are others that seem to be naturally confident. They, they seem to be able to rest under the unexplained, to, to be able to trust God in the middle of, of, of maybe even horrendous situations. It seems that they have a supernatural ability from God to trust Him when all seems lost. And that can only be done by Christians. That can only be done by people who are born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That can only happen with people who are saved by grace through faith in Christ. And while humans seek the future, a Christian has a different agenda going on. A Christian wants to please God, and therefore they seek what God wants. Every Christian I know, in some way or another, on an ongoing basis, is seeking the will of God. And they're doing so in both big and small ways in their life. I remember when I was a kid, I would be, be thinking and praying, Lord, who is the girl that I'm going to marry? And then God brought me that girl in perfect time, his perfect time. But I would always be praying about that. And, and also, what do you want me to do in the future? What kind of job or career do you want me to have or to pursue? We're asking questions like this. If you're a high school or college age student, those two questions, whether 
uh, who you are to marry and what you are to do in life are probably on the forefront of your mind often. But we, we want to know. We want to know what we don't know. And, and we, we, we have other things we're seeking, like what school am I supposed to attend or where are we to live or, or how am I going to deal with this difficult person or, or this horrendous health situation that's going on. Some people go overboard with that. Some people, some people won't make a move without confirmation. And so it's really hard for them to find a parking space or to figure out what kind of milk to drink or what shoes to wear. But most that I know walk, live by faith and wisdom. They're trusting God and and the good thing about that is this. If, if you're seeking the will of God today, it's because you can admit that you need Him. That it show, it's a good sign to be seeking the will of God because you're saying, Lord Jesus, I need you, and I don't have all the answers, and I'm dependent upon you to get those answers. And so it, it's a good thing that we're, that we're doing when, when we want what God wants. So we pray things like, like Lord, Lord, I need you. I need you to, to, to show me. I, I want to know what I am to do. And, and, and that's a good thing. But we really don't have much of a problem in seeking the will of God. It, it's knowing what to do where we have our, our troubles. I mean, we know from the scriptures that his will is good and acceptable and perfect. The problem is, is figuring out what that is. So Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50, I think is a really great place to be in a discussion about the will of God. Because it bluntly says that doing the will of the Father shows that you are related to Christ the Son. In other words, that everyone who um, is related to Jesus by faith seeks the will of God, does the will of God. All who are related to Jesus by faith do the will of God. D.A. Carson put it this way, The way for us to be as close to Jesus as his nearest and dearest is to do the will of his Father. One of the first things you'll notice about this passage is is its connection to the context. You know, I'm always calling us back to the context of the Scripture, and, and the context is the unpardonable sin. And, you know, we've been in, in, in Matthew 12 for, for a while now, and we've seen... Uh, very clearly the unpardonable sin we have seen a rejection of jesus we've seen polarization we've seen both repentance and forgiveness as well as rejection and judgment in other words what we've been seeing is people who are either cooperating with god or not and and we also see one of matthew's favorite words here it's not a word we use very often but it's the word behold Behold, again, we don't use that in our everyday language very much, but Matthew loves this word, and and every time, we've learned that every time you see the word behold, you know you've got to listen up, because that word means look, 
You know, listen, pay attention. This is something big going to be said. And so we see that three times in this passage. And in fact, let's look at verse 46. Jesus is speaking to the crowds. Jesus is preaching. Jesus is is teaching. And behold, there you have it. Uh, Listen, look, something big is about to happen. What happens? His mother and his brothers were standing outside seeking to speak with him. Now, if you come from a tradition that tells you that Jesus had no other siblings, it's wrong. He did have other siblings, and these would have been most likely younger brothers of Joseph, excuse me, younger sons of Joseph and Mary. But you know, if my mom right, uh, showed up at Grace right now and maybe knocked on the door with my two sisters and, and they're saying, we got to talk to Mike right now. You know, the, someone may say, you know, can you, can you wait a couple minutes? We've done it in a little while here. But Jesus' mother and brothers show up, and the, and the construction of this verse tells us that they wanted to talk to him right then. They were not just saying, hey, by the way, when Jesus has a minute, let's, let's, uh, let's tell him that he needs to talk to us. They wanted to talk to him right then. And, and I think it would be natural for Mary to, to want uh, Jesus to to maybe uh, rest a bit due to the crowds and, and, and their many needs. And uh, we know that they, they were so consuming that he wasn't even taking time to eat. There were people that thought that Jesus was out of his mind. Uh, the Bible tells us that his brothers at this time were not believing in him. So you, you kind of can probably guess that Mary and the brothers weren't going to say, hey, Jesus, preach it. All right? Verse 47, if you're reading in the, in the English Standard Version as I'm preaching from, you, you notice it's not there. There's no verse 47 in the ESV. It's in the NASB and other translations. And why is that? You'll notice at the bottom of your Bible or in the footnote, it'll say that most older manuscripts don't contain this verse. It's interesting. It's a, it, is, it is in the, in the parallel passages in Mark and Luke. But, but this verse basically retells the situation. So here, Jesus is speaking. His mom and his brothers want to talk with him. And so it says, someone said to him, Behold, there you have it again, your mother and brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. Same words. In fact, let's, let's look at the, the parallel passages briefly because... It's always great when there's a a parallel passage because then you can see if there's any other facts that one gospel writer put in that another might not have thought was was that crucial. Uh, Mark chapter 3, and it's seen in verses 31 through 35, and really the only difference here in Mark is in verse 31, what it says that his mother and his brothers came and were standing outside. So they were outside of the home. They were, they were not just on the edge of the crowd. And they sent to Jesus and called him. They summoned him to them. They were basically saying, pulling Jesus out of the meeting. And, and then Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8 and verse 19. Then his mother... And his brothers came to him, 
But they could not reach him because of the crowd. So they were outdoors. They couldn't get in. The crowd was too big. And so he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. Verse 48, Jesus gives an answer. And he gives an answer to the one who was telling him. So basically, whether verse 47 is there or not, it's someone told him the news. And, and here's the thing. This is while he's still speaking to the crowds. So he's in the middle of what he's saying and someone basically comes up and interrupts. And so he uses this as a, as a way to talk about something very, very important. So he answers with this question. Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Now Jesus didn't forget he knew who they were, what he's asking, and it, it does seem kind of odd that Jesus would respond this way to his, to his family who are at the door with a question like this, but it's, it's important to know he wasn't undermining them, he wasn't rejecting them, he was basically putting things into perspective. And, and that's a good thing to do, put things in perspective. We need to see things in perspective. And he's making a point. He's making a very important point about the spiritual family of God, which is characterized as he was by doing the will of God. So in verse 49, Jesus, it says, stretched out his hand toward his disciples. And he said, behold, there's the word again, big, word, big message that's going to happen now. He's going to say something very significant what does he say he says behold my mother and my brothers now i made a promise to to someone i made a promise to two people today that i wouldn't um tell a really cheesy corny joke about this but let me just say that i have before and it's funny but i'm not going to do it um but he stretched out his hand towards the disciples and it wasn't just the apostles but it was all who in that context were seeking him as learners and he basically gave a dramatic wave of the hand with the word so there's a, a strength that's being added to what he's saying now Jesus loved his mother Jesus loved his brothers but they were not to interfere with his, his work as the Messiah. And, and the real, Jesus is saying that the real spiritual family of Christ is made up of all who believe. It's not a blood relation thing. It is a, it's a blood relation by the shed blood of Christ. Now, how hard it must have been for Mary to actually go back home to Nazareth and leave Jesus there with the crowds so demanding. So I can understand. But he makes it very clear. He, he bypasses his mother and his brothers, his nearest and dearest, his closest kin, and points to those who were believing by faith. So in verse 50, he makes it even more clear. He says, Whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven... He's my brother and sister and mother. That's a huge statement. A huge statement. And he's, he's, he's making this so clearly and there's no mistaking it. These verses are showing what it really means 
to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It, it shows what it really means to be totally committed to him. And basically he's saying that all who are related to Jesus by faith do the will of God. That God's family does God's will. It's as simple as that. But it leads us to ask some big questions. The first is, so what's the will of the Father? What is the will of the Father? And the second question is, what does it mean to do His will? What does that mean? The first question, what is the will of the Father? Look with me at verse 50. Verse 50 is, is where we'll camp out for the remainder of our time. But whoever does the will of my Father... That's what Jesus is saying. Whoever does the will of my Father, he did not say whoever maximizes their potential or whoever discovers their strengths and, and does really well in whatever realm they work. He didn't say whoever is successful in the eyes of the world. He didn't even say uh, whoever leads a lot of people to Christ is a Christian. He didn't say that, though that's a good thing to do. He said, whoever does the will of the Father. So you've got to figure out what's the will of the Father. We've got to know that. Now, I'm a simple person, and so I want to try to make it simple, and I'm hoping that it's clear. But here, here's what the will of the Father is. The will of the Father is what God does and what God desires. What God does and what God desires. Now, I want to explain that. But I want to say this first. What makes it tough for us is that the Bible speaks of the will of God in more than one way. It's not like there's just one way the, 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 there's a word that's used and, and, and that's, it's always the same. There are two primary New Testament words translated will. And each has several different usages. So the first word is, is bole. And, and it means a rational and conscious desire. A rational and conscious desire. And it refers to a plan that's been made on careful deliberation. That it, it's a plan, it's always used of the, of the plan of God. It, it wouldn't be used of your plans or my plans. And it indicates a predetermined, unchanging plan. You see that in Acts chapter chapter 2 and verse 23 where it speaks of Jesus who was delivered up according to the predetermined plan of God according to the predetermined uh, bole uh, the definite plan and foreknowledge of God and, and therefore he was crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men and, and this word bole is, is, is the resolute plan of God that no human being can stop the train has left the station and it will not be deterred until it reaches its final destination. It's the idea behind this word. It's God's unalterable will. But there's the other word. And it's the word that's used more often. And it's the word thelema. And it basically is used here in verse 50. This is the word that's used here. But it can refer to any, a number of things. What is agreeable, what is desired, what is intended, what is chosen, or what is commanded. So it depends upon the context what this word means. 
Now, I want to mention another aspect of the will of God. There is the way that we can speak of the will of God as having two primary aspects. Uh, And on the one hand, and I'm going to use two simple terms, and I'm hoping that the oversimplification doesn't, doesn't ruin this, but the idea is that on one hand it's hidden, on the other it's revealed. On one hand it's hidden and secret and unknown to us at this point, on the other hand, it is revealed, it is known, it is, it is clear to us. So God's will is really in uh, two different kinds of a will here. One that it is, uh, we can't see it. The other is where we, we, um, we know it. But then you've got that, the other aspects of those words where basically there's an unalterable plan and then there seems to be a plan that, that uh, can be resisted. So we're going to look at that a bit here. Um, some things are hidden until God chooses to reveal them in his perfect time. And, and some are revealed clearly as what he wants us to do. So in, in the category of what God does, you could put it like this, that it is the ultimate, you know, hidden, unchangeable reason that some things happen. But in, in, in the ter- maybe in the, in the way of looking at what, what he desires... You'd put it this way. It is the perfect revealed basis for everything that we do that pleases him. So that when we are pleasing God, that's the basis for it. It's what we're doing what God desires. Now think about it with me. The the, the things that we want don't always happen. Now why would the things that we want not always happen? Well, it's because we're not sovereign. It's because... We're not ultimate. We're, we're not in control. And so, of course, that sometimes something we want will happen, but many times what we want doesn't happen. But in, in God's economy, he is sovereign. He is ultimate. And so what he wants to have happen, when he decrees a thing, it will happen. But then there's that part where sometimes it won't happen because he hasn't decreed it, but he wants it to happen. So there's, there's parts here, okay? Um, when we speak of God's hidden will, it points to God determining what would ha- he would have happen uh, when he wants it to happen in exactly the right time frame that he wants it to, to be happening. It, it's kind of like if you've ever been on a, a car rally. And let's say that as the crow flies, you're going to only be going, you know, 50 miles in a, in a straight line. But the person that's designing the car rally takes you on this circuitous route that goes all over the place and finally gets you to your destination because they got creative with it. And you go to all these stops along the way and you could have driven right there, you know, in an hour, but you take five hours to get there. Well, it's kind of like that roundabout route of a person who, who knows 50 ways to get somewhere and, 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 but gets creative in mapping out uh, an especially complicated route. That's how the will of God can seem at times. You might, you might go through a, a thing in your life and you're like, well, God, you could have done this a lot simpler. But the problem is, we're not all-knowing. And there was a stop he wanted you to make along the way. Maybe four or five or six stops along the way before he got you to where he wants you to be. And there were some people along the way that he needed you to interact with. And there were some experiences he needed you to, to experience. That's how wisdom is, is built. And so, God and his will sometimes takes us on an interesting route to get there. 
But God knows the intricacies and the mysteries of the plan that he is unfolding in his, in his resolute will that we don't know. And we don't know it until it happens. So things that God sovereignly decides will happen, nothing will prevent it from happening. Gives a good assurance for us. On the other hand, when we speak of his revealed will, this is where I'm hoping that, it, that God will open up some things for us uh, in terms of our understanding of how he works. When we speak of his revealed will, we mean it's what God desires but knows that some will not do. It's stuff that he wants us to participate in knowing that we won't always do that. R.C. Sproul put it this way. A serious danger faces those who restrict the meaning of the will of God to the sovereign will. We hear Muslims cry, it is the will of Allah. We slip into a deterministic view of life that says, what will be, will be. Kind of a kesara, sarah type of an idea. And in so doing, he says, we embrace a sub-Christian form of fatalism. A sub-Christian form of fatalism as if God willed everything to happen in such a way as to eliminate human choices. And he does not. We acknowledge the reality of man's will in acting, in choosing, and responding. And we also acknowledge there is a God, the one true God, who is sovereign over all. And his will is greater than ours. And his will then restricts ours. And our will never restricts his. So when he wills a thing sovereignly, although hidden to us, it will come about and at one, some point will, will become evident. Um, we, we, we are sovereign. He is, excuse me, he is sovereign. We're accountable. So in the thing that he wants us to do, but we might not always do, we're accountable to him. So the idea, and I'm hoping it's coming across clearly, is this, that, that God, in his word, speaks of his will in a way that sometimes it's unbreakable and sometimes it's breakable. And for some of us, that's hard to grapple with. We want it always to be unbreakable. I lean towards that. I, I've got to admit to you, I lean towards that. But the Bible speaks of the will of God, it is not always his unbreakable will that is being referred to. There is a will of God that can be broken, that can be disobeyed, that and in fact is disobeyed by us, every one of us, every day when we sin. Because it is God's will for us not to sin. He does not desire for us to sin. His revealed will is, is, is such that uh, he, he, it's clear that he doesn't want us to sin. He, he, he doesn't want us to, to hate. He doesn't want us to lie or to cheat or to steal or to commit adultery or to murder. He doesn't want us to do that. So that anytime we do that, we break the will of God. We break what he desires. And people do those things every day. People do those things every day and they, they actively go against the revealed will of God. And here's the idea. With God's hidden will his secret will, we are to be passive and accept it. And with his revealed will, 
We are to be active and engaged and do it. And it leads us to that second question. Okay, what does it mean to do his will? What does that mean? And verse 50, Jesus said, Whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Already in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus had instructed us to seek the will of God. Pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But now he is, he is telling us to do it. So what does doing it mean? Doing God's will means that we do what we know God wants or desires. It's as simple as that. It's not brain surgery. We are to act in accord with what we know pleases him. It's like Jesus said in John 4, My food is to do the will of him who sent me. And he wants that to be ours as well, to do the will of God from the heart. So how do you know? How do you know what it is? Many people are really locked into seeking the will of God for their life as some mysterious thing that must be revealed. The problem is many are so fixated on trying to find that out that they neglect the very obvious thing staring them in the face, which is the revealed will of God. Doing the will of God has to do with doing what God has already made clear. This is not mysterious. This is obvious. We do what he said. By the way, the wording in verse 50 assumes obedience to revealed instructions. Not discerning what has yet to be revealed. God's objective word must rule in our hearts, not our subjective opinions and feelings. Uh, we see this in the, in the cross reference, in the, in, the, in the parallel passage in Luke. Luke chapter 8 and verse 21, Jesus said this, My brother, my mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. That's what doing the will of God is. Hear the word of God, do it. Some of us are always looking for new knowledge, and we learn new things. We need to be learning new things. But there are a lot of things that God has told us to do that we're not doing. And I think for some people, he's saying, you're not getting anything new till you do the thing I told you to do already. Just be obedient. Maybe then I'll give you something new. Because new stuff kind of tickles our brains. But, but the stuff that's clear and, the, and God knows we're, we know we're supposed to do, well, that's hard work. That, that's, that takes commitment. That takes that takes sacrifice. That's painful. A lot of us don't want to do that. We want the new idea when, when God's already given us the old one that we need to take care of. So it does lead us to a third question. And the third question is this. What has God specifically revealed in his word that we are to do? Okay, if we're supposed to do what he has said, what are some of those things? So there's a lot of things we can go to. I'm just going to give you five. What is God's will for those who believe? Number one, the will of God for all he has chosen. Number one is that you would be saved. That you would be saved. Verse 50 says, whoever does the will of my father, he is my brother, sister, mother. There's that closest human, closest uh, kin relationship. And, and it's, a, it's a, a universal invitation. It's a whosoever will. And that's who we give the gospel to everyone because God's will is hidden on the on the matter of who's going to accept it or not but it is revealed that we need to go and share that message well he wants us to receive that message he wants us to believe in him 
The saving relationship to Jesus only comes by receiving the free gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ. You can't get it no other way. To know God's will for your life, you need to know Jesus Christ, uh, the author of life. Uh, if you do not believe in the only mediator between God and man, you are on your way to hell. And yes, I've been talking a lot about hell recently because Jesus did. But you're on your way to hell if you don't have the one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. And your words and your actions will identify you as someone opposed to Jesus. Jesus reveals God to whoever will believe. He said, we already saw this in Matthew eleven twenty-seven, 27, that all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. If you're a Christian today, it's because God, Jesus willed to reveal the Father to you. That's what John 14, 6 is talking about. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you're a Christian today, it's because Jesus willed for you to know the Father. Let me ask you a question. Were you born in a Christian family? If so, praise God. But there is no blood relationship connection with your family and faith in Christ. I've heard a lot of people's testimonies. Oh, I grew up in a Christian home. Wonderful. What's your testimony? When did you come to faith in Christ? The only blood relationship that's going to get you into heaven is the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross in your place. We don't make ourselves a part of Jesus' family, by the way, by doing God's will. That's not, you don't, can't switch that sentence around. It's doing his will identifies you as a member of his family. So if you're not doing the will of God, your, your membership in his family will probably get called into question. So don't be surprised. Second thing, God wills for you to be strong. To be strong. Verse 50 again, whoever does the will of my father, he is my brother the, the, the will of God for every Christian is that they would be sanctified that's the, the theological word sanctified it, sound in the faith solid in the faith growing in the faith and that only comes by the spirit of God conforming us to the, to the image of the son of God 1 Thessalonians 4 3 says this is the will of God your sanctification God wills for you to become holy like Jesus you don't feel like it right now but it's in process it's happening. We see progress. Uh, third thing. Be serving. Be serving. Whoever does. The, 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 the key in verse 50 here is, is does. There's something going on. A decision being made. An action taking place. It, it's like a Psalm 100 verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness, right? Serve the Lord with gladness. Jesus said, the, uh, whoever serves me, the Father's going to honor. Sometimes, isn't it the hardest thing to serve God with your family that you live with? Your blood relatives? And isn't it also hard to, to, to serve, uh, serve God in, in, in a truest sense with your family of God, your blood of Jesus relatives? You know, to, to, to act in an upright manner with them, to, to love and to honor and to, to respect and to forgive and to confess and to to do all those things that Christians do? Fourth thing, be sent. We spent a lot of time in Matthew chapter 10, didn't we? About being sent by Jesus on his mission, not ours. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so send I you. 
And it's not with our agenda we go, but we go with the gospel. It's interesting, 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4. There's, there's a verse that talks about how, how um, well, go there with me. It's 1 Timothy 2, I want you to see this, and verse, uh, verses 3 and 4. It speaks about praying, not just for yourself, not just for your family, not just for the church, but for everyone. Pray for all people. And verse 3, it says, This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants everyone to believe, but he knows that some will not. The Greek, the Greek word there for desires is thelema. It's that, it's that word. There's our word. And it basically is, is you know, uh, he wants that to happen, but it, it's not everyone's going to do it. But I want to take you somewhere else. It's the other side of that coin. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, because these two verses are always shared together, and they don't mean the same thing. And it's, it's good to know what one means and what the other one means. We know what the first one means. That's the usual way it's used. The second one, uh, first, second Peter 3, 9, is usually used in the same exact way. It doesn't mean the same thing. First of all, it says this, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And you gotta ask, who, who, was, uh, who was Peter writing to? He was writing to the elect. He was writing to Christians. He was writing to those of faith. And, and, and the key words here is, who is you, and who is any, and who is all? in that verse well you is the elect God is patient towards you the elect not wishing that any of you should perish but that all the elect should reach repentance interestingly that's the Greek word uh, it's bole, uh, uh, bulemai it's, it's a derivative of that first word the, the definitive plan of God and he wants the elect to come to repentance but here's the thing the elect will not perish, obviously, but what do you think God wants more than for 1 Timothy 2, 4, all to come to repentance? You know, what, what could God want more than that? What would God want more? To glorify himself. It's always the right answer, by the way. And, and what glorified God the most? The cross. And what do we see at the cross? The depths of human depravity and the heights of God's grace. And, and that was what glorified God the most. He is exalted through the cross. And, and he desires the salvation of some, but not the salvation of all, because it doesn't happen. He doesn't will for it to be. And that we leave in God's hands. But we know it to be true. Last thing. God wills for you, as a believer in Jesus, to be secure. There's one little word in verse 50 that you, you want to take with you today. And it's this. Jesus said, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my mother and brother and sister. He is. Uh, that gives me certainty. That gives me assurance. That gives me forever security. Eternal security. That God, by his good pleasure, called me into faith, into, into faith with him and and he wills to do his good pleasure and works to do his good pleasure in and through my life and, and glorification will happen. The blessedness of life in Christ will happen. Being with Christ, entering the joy of the Father, all that will happen. 
He says, is. You are. It's true. That's, a, that, that, that's security. Ephesians 1, we, we read that in Him, in Christ, we have obtained an inheritance. That's something laid up for the future. And, and we've been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things after the counsel of His will so that we might be to the praise of His glory. Now, there's much more we can go on this, but we're going to end for now because, because we need to. But, but I will just say this. God's will is clear. And you don't need to go around wondering so much about what the will of God. There's more that's clear than there is unclear, and it's seen in His Word. And let's say you've gotten away from the Word of God. Well, pick it up, read it, and do it. It's as simple as that. And going back to that idea of, of God's will being what God does and what God desires, and, and the, it's the ultimate secret reason for everything that happens and the perfect uh, revealed basis for everything we do that pleases God, there's a response on our part that God wants. And, and it's, it's simple. The first response is, is to trust the sovereign, hidden, secret will aspects of God's will. And then the second response is to obey his revealed will in his word. Trust God's sovereign orchestrating of events and obey his specific directions. Life is linear in a lot of ways. You know, we're in the age of, uh, we're beyond DVDs, right? And you can just hop around on anything now. I was talking to my dad yesterday and he says to me, hey, uh, we, were, we were taping the UCLA game yesterday and it cut out in the last eight seconds. I'm like, bummer, we should have DVR'd it, right? He goes, no, I was using the VHS. <laughs> Ask your mom and dad later what that is, kid. But uh, I'm like, well, why don't you just DVR it? Well, we know how to use the VHS. But you know what? It's, it's a straight line. The beginning, the middle, and the end. And you know what? A lot of life is that way. Not all of life, but a lot of life is that way. You, it starts with faith in Christ. And it moves to growth. It moves to, to the process of sanctification. And one day it's going to eventuate into glorification where we will be with him forever in, et- in eternity. We'll be with him in heaven. And, and by the way, hell is a real place and heaven is a real place. And I'll tell you, there are, there are, there's a book coming out this month that's going to try to tell you that God would never send anybody to hell. And it's false. Okay? People choose hell. And it's going to be a real place. And people choose heaven. And it's a real place. Jesus loved his family. He honored his physical family. By the way, what did he do at the cross? He took care of Mary. He turned to John and he said, Behold your mom. This is your mom. You take care. And, and, she, and he took her into his home from that day on. But he came to earth to save sinners. He, he and by the way, from this point out, he's only talking about his spiritual family. He's only referring to his spiritual family. And their presence right then, there at that day, gave him a chance to define a more significant thing that, that could ever be. The head of the, this, this, this family is Jesus Christ. And membership is, is determined not by blood, but by relationship with the Father through covenant faith. Faith in the blood of Christ, evidenced by obedience to his will. Ah, that's the sticking point. You obey his will. You show yourself to be a follower of Jesus. You don't obey his will. I can't help you. All who are related to to Jesus by faith do the will of God and they're empowered and enabled by God to do so and so that 
There's always a so that. And the so that is that he would get maximum glory. Not that we would be seen as anything, but that he would get maximum glory. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for how good you are to us. Lord, we acknowledge, we even admit, we confess that we focus so much on your hidden will when it's your revealed will that you're most concerned about us doing. We've got to leave that in your hands and do what you've put in our hands. Lord, you've given us marching orders. You've, you've want, you want us to be dialed into your program. You, we've got to leave the, the hidden things to you, Lord. Give us grace to do that and, and, and trust that they'll be revealed in your time. I thank you, Lord, that every time we pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that we're praying a prayer that you would enable us to obey your will revealed in your word fully and completely just like it is in heaven. And Lord, I know that this won't just change the way we pray, but it'll change the way we live because we will realize that as we pray, your will be done. We're asking you not to reveal what you have yet to reveal, but to, to help us do what you expect us to do. Lord, give us grace to do that, to obey what's already been shown to be your will for us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.